Every great leader must possess a very specific follower, themselves. Because we are at home for the next few weeks, it is a great time to invest in the practice of self-leadership. In this four-part series, we will explore some simple ideas and engage in reflective questions that will prompt us to think, journal, and ultimately challenge us to grow a crucial skill that all great leaders have, the ability to lead themselves. I'm Jeremy Rivers, and this is the Passages Leadership Challenge. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to the second week of our Passages at Home Leadership Challenge. Last week, we talked about becoming aware of the influences over our lives, how we allow or disallow the impact of others and situations to determine our overall response. This week, we want to discuss another element of self-awareness, understanding your unique design. You are a beautifully complex person. When you walk up to the mirror and look at yourself, what do you see? Now, I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to conquer the huge meta question of who am I in this short podcast, but presumably we are all leaders here. This is a leadership challenge. So let's discuss your design today in the context of leadership. We're going to keep one question in front of us as a guide. What is your unique contribution? Today, I'd like to think through three key elements that I've come to learn have a direct relation with understanding that unique contribution. They involve what empowers you, what guides you, and what fuels you. First, what empowers you? The Lord has designed each of us with unique capabilities. I am a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. When it comes to discussing this idea of empowerment, I think of the scene uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring where the Fellowship was actually formed. Frodo, this unassuming little hobbit, has just accepted the daunting task of saving the world by traveling across Middle-earth to cast the ring into the flames of Mordor. He is frail, and he has no idea what he is doing. But then, in an inspiring moment of unity, the Fellowship forms when Gandalf volunteers to be the guide for this journey. Aragorn tells him that he can have his sword on the quest. Legolas commits his bow, and then finally Gimli, the dwarf, his axe. And what was moments before a mission doomed to fail, resting on the abilities of a hobbit, now has hope with the unique contribution and the strengths of his friends. I have a question for you. What do you seem to be able to do with a sense of effortlessness? When you sit down to write, do the words seem to fall out of you? When you are in a crowd, are you able to navigate that social scene like an orchestra conductor? When chaos erupts, do you seem to get a sense of paradoxical sense of calm and clarity? What are those things that you do that don't require much from you, but almost flow out of you? This is a unique aspect of your design. We don't pay enough attention uh, to these things. These are our strengths, personality traits, the ones that set us apart. Oftentimes, uh, we see only where we lack, and we focus on improving those things. In school, we got tutors not for what we excelled at, but for what we could not do naturally. It's been beaten into us to be a well-rounded person. Find the gap improve it, fix it. 
But how does that work in light of the words Apostle Paul shared with the Corinthians when he explains the body of Christ is one body with many parts? He says, Suppose the foot says, I am not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being a part of the body. And suppose the ear says, I am not an eye, so I do not belong in the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. It's absurd to think about an ear saying, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. Is it that absurd, though? Don't we do this all the time? I don't have the strengths of Anicia, Russell, or Patricia, so I cannot be a part of this. We see what we are not, what we can't do, and we use that as justification for not contributing as a leader at all. The Wall Street Journal called Peter Drucker the dean of this country's business and management philosophers. Drucker mentored executives and CEOs in Fortune 500 companies such as General Electric, IBM, and Procter & Gamble. This is what he says on the matter of strengths and weaknesses in his book, The Effective Executive. Your first responsibility is to determine your own distinctive competencies, what you can do uncommonly well, what you are truly made for, and then navigate your life and career in direct alignment. To focus on weakness is not only foolish, it is irresponsible. Now that is a strong comment on how we should treat our strengths and our weaknesses, but it comes in alignment with what Paul was saying about the body of Christ. Know your part, know your role, so that we can contribute constructively to the whole. Now, before we move on from what empowers you, as Drucker states it, the thing that you can do uncommonly well, let's discuss some practical steps uh, in understanding and managing these things. First, I have two practical ideas uh, that can help you uh, with the idea of knowing your distinctive competencies. First, ask those closest to you what they think you do uncommonly well. They have a great point of view on your life, and they may even point out things to you that you did not know about yourself. Second, take a personality test or two. I am personally a fan of these, particularly uh, Gallup's Strengths Finder and the Enneagram. Now, these tools cannot tell you who you are. You have to discover that and pursue that on your own. However, they are great tools to help you on your journey of understanding your strengths and personality in a very meaningful way. Now, Drucker says that it would be foolish and irresponsible of us to focus on our weaknesses, but we should not ignore them. So I have three strategies for you uh, on how to manage these weaknesses. First, humbly admit them and accept them as a part of your beautiful design. Uh, One thing that I've done that I have found really helpful is just like I write out a list of things that I am, uh, I write out a list of things that I'm not, knowing that this is not uh, my personality or my strengths. Number two, design systems around those weaknesses to protect you against their pitfalls. Lastly, 
Invite people in your life to take you places that your capabilities will not take you on your own. I'll give you an example from my life. I love writing, but it does not love me, unfortunately. Um, When I'm writing something for passages that is important and it will be in front of others' eyes, my friend and colleague Katie, a fantastic writer, is always willing to give me a copy edit. Um, It always comes back to me marked up like crazy, um, but it's the system and the person in my life that helps protect me against something that is not my unique contribution. And because of that, Katie has helped me be a more effective communicator and leader. What are those strengths and personality traits that empower you uncommonly well? What is your sword, your bow, your axe? Build on that thing and offer it to the quest. Now let's discuss what guides you. The thing in life that helps direct your steps and moves you to one path or another. It's your values. Moving on from what empowers you, that thing you do uncommonly well, we're going to go a little bit deeper into your unique design. Where you decide to execute those strengths is determined by your values. I have not personally met Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, but I can guess one of the reasons that he decided to give his sword to Frodo in the quest to save Middle-earth is because he valued a land that was free from the tyranny of the evil grips of Mordor. Because that was a value of his, it guided his steps and determined where he would offer his gifts. Now, again, I'm assuming that we are leaders here, so I'm going to assume that you have a set of values in your life. The thing that I want to think and consider about today in relation to our values is how deep do the roots of our values go? One of Passage's founding board members, Robert Nicholson, recently wrote a thought-provoking article in the Wall Street Journal about the current situation of coronavirus as it relates to the spiritual condition of Americans. He writes, The past four years have been some of the most contentious and embarrassing in American history. Squabbling over trivialities has left the public frantic and divided, oblivious to the transcendent. But the pandemic has humbled the country and opened millions of eyes to this risky universe once more. Sheer grimness of suffering brings men sometimes into a profounder understanding of human destiny. British historian Herbert Butterfield wrote, Sometimes it is only by a cataclysm, he continued, that man can make his escape from the net which he has taken so much trouble to weave around himself. For societies founded on biblical tradition, cataclysms need not mark the end. They are a call for repentance and revival. As the coronavirus pandemic subjects U.S. hospitals to a fearsome test, Americans can find solace in the same place that Butterfield did. Great struggle can produce great clarity. I've placed the link to the full article in the show notes, and I encourage you to read it as an aspect of this week's challenge. If we are in a moment where there is an opportunity for clarity, one thing that I hope this situation clarifies for us is the true depths of our personal value system. We are shaken right now, and because of that, we have a unique opportunity to determine how deep the roots of our values go. I grew up in Texas. That meant, by default, I was an evangelical Christian. 
when I was a teenager, the life that I had known was turned upside down in the matter of months when my parents split and my family was pushed away uh, in an embarrassing manner from a community that was my entire world. In that season, I quickly realized that what I thought was a strong value system of faith uh, in my life was simply a shell held together by social pressures. There was no real depth to my values. As a result, I ended up suffering through a series of anxiety-related episodes. I had to go through a three-year-long journey of investing and developing in my faith, really for the first time genuinely, before it was actually a value system that was healthy enough to stand on. Knowing the values you stand for is absolutely important. Equally as important is understanding how deep the roots of those values go. They're the guardrails of your life. How intense of a storm can they handle? It's vital as leaders that we take the time to invest in our values. We are constantly being thrashed around. Our values are the load-bearing beams of our life. To take that idea a little bit further, I would encourage you to list out your values, as many as you can. Then go to the top of the list and ask yourself one by one, what am I doing daily, weekly, monthly to nurture this value? Assess them on a scale of one to 10, however you think best. But then once you've analyzed it, decide what some important next steps would be for you to deepen the roots of your values. What you do uncommonly well empowers you. Your value system is what guides you. Lastly, let's discuss what fuels you. What is that thing that gets you up in the morning? This is your intent or your why. Your intention fuels you. At Passages, we value intention tremendously. Intention is like the body language in a conversation. It says just as much, if not more, than the actual words being said. Frankly, it carries a language and energy beyond the words themselves. So, how aware are we of our body language? Do you know what it's communicating? Similarly, do you know your life's intent? I'd like to share with you uh, my life's why or my intention. Why do I do what I do? I get a thrill and a sense of significance when I help individuals and their ideas realize their full potential. I love to come alongside a person, especially in moments of doubt and discouragement, and help them find a way out. I love to help people embrace the obstacles that are in front of them, strategize a way around them or over them or through them, and ultimately challenge them to take the next steps that they didn't think that they could actually make. Now, because this uh, is my why in life, uh, over the last 20 years, I've had various roles and positions, but all of them involved people. Coaching, leading, managing, pastoring, whatever it was, I was engaging people in everything that I did. So friend, um, do you know your why? If not, how do we find it? A great exercise would be to recall moments of the past, specifically moments that brought you extraordinary amounts of joy and a sense of significance. What were you doing? Who were you with? 
Can you find some common themes in these moments? If you can, I bet you are close to discovering your why. So I'm actually going to do this with you, with my why, as an example. I'm going to recall a memory uh, of when I was uh, a gymnastics coach. I have a distinct memory of when I was coaching a three-year-old on the balance beam, and she was terrified to take her next steps. So I went up to her and I took her by the hand and I told her that I would be there for her if she fell, but that she was going to have to take these steps on her own. Then against her wishes, I let go and took several steps back and reached out to her. It took a while, but then she took a a first a, a ginger step and wobbled and then she looked up at me terrified. I looked right back at her and I smiled and I nodded, just reassuring her, you got this. The next step she took was more confident, and she looked at me with a smile this time. And her last and final step was more of a leap, and then she jumped off of the beam into my arms without any fear and exclaimed, I did it! And I, I distinctly remember this because of the feeling I had inside. Kind of like I was explaining to you, I had an extraordinary amount of joy and a sense of significance. This was significance for me. This is why I do what I do. To kind of sum it up, coaching someone in their moment of doubt to reach an outcome that they did not think was possible. Now, before we conclude, a final thought when it comes to your life's why or your intention. We had a good friend of Passages uh, that is also a pastor join our team meeting this, uh, this morning to encourage our team during this moment of crisis and uncertainty. He reminded us that when God determined Adam being alone was not good, that that was not a comment on marriage, but it was a comment on the human condition. We were not meant to be alone. I believe personally that the purest form of your why is relational. An altruistic intent leads to a holistic sense of significance. An altruistic intention in life is the greatest fuel you could ever have. Now, before we take off, I'd like to leave you with a final word of encouragement as a friend when it comes to the process of being introspective and becoming self-aware to your design. Beware of comparisons and jealousy. In light of the three themes of today, when you try to measure your life against someone else, you will be fueled by fear guided by fear, and empowered by fear. Uh, Comparisons may be laced with some things that are true, but don't be mistaken, there is no actual truth inside of its structure. Comparisons and jealousy are children's of fear, so I would just recommend that you find other friends to play with. Okay, now it's time for the fun part. Uh, Remember, this is not just a podcast, it's a leadership challenge. You are here as a leader, and so it's time for you to engage. Uh, Again, I have several reflective questions for you in the show notes. Wrestle through them uh, and grab a friend and talk them out and see what you guys come up with. Again, the thoughts shared here today are nowhere close to being a one-stop shop process to understanding your design, but... I do hope that some of the ideas that we've discussed here today can jumpstart you into some helpful conversations as it relates to understanding that thing that you do uncommonly well, 
uh, your value system, and uh, your unique intention or why in life. Thank you for joining me this week. If you found anything in this conversation encouraging, uh, fun, or it gave you some sort of value, I would just ask that you would share it with someone else that you think would enjoy it too. Um, But also we would like to hear from you. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram, uh, on your favorite social media platform, at Passages Israel is our handle, or you can can shoot us an email at media at passagesisrael.org. We would love to hear your thoughts. So that's it for this week, and I look forward to chatting with you next time. 